to listen to what we have to say. A king does not bargain for the loyalty that every subject owes him. Without loyalty, there is no kingdom. There is nothing. I'm here to speak for Sir Walter Loxley. Speak, if you must. If you're trying to build for the future, you must set your foundations strong. The laws of this land enslave people to its king. A king who demands loyalty, but offers nothing in return. I have marched from France to Palestine and back. And I know, in tyranny lies only failure. You build a country like you build a cathedral, from the ground up. Empower every man, and you will gain strength. Mm. Well, who could object to such reasonable words? If your majesty were to offer justice, justice in the form of a charter of liberties, allowing every man to forage for his heart, to be safe from conviction without cause, or prison without charge, to work, eat, and live on the sweat of his own brow, and be as many as he can. And that king would be great. Not only would he receive the loyalty of his people, but their love as well. So what would you have? Hmm? Castle for every man. <laughs> every Englishman's home is his castle. What we would ask, your majesty, is liberty. Liberty by law. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from uh, Robin Hood from I don't know five years ago. Russell Crowe playing Robin Hood, and I and I and I was watching the movie again for about I don't know the tenth or fifteenth or twentieth time uh, the other night, and and I just say you know what this is a piece of history that America needs to watch, and I'm not saying America. I mean. Everybody, everybody in America that that is blind to what's going on, because I see what's happening in America today as what was happening in England back then in the I don't know 1400s or the 1600s or whenever that was before the before the Pilgrims sailed the Atlantic to to come to to Plymouth Rock, and uh, which was 200 years before the first Thanksgiving, 
and uh, after our first uh, our first experiment in socialism, um, you know, and seeing the the tyranny and all the all the things that are happening, people being imprisoned without cause, people being that happen to be in in uh, Washington D.C. Um, being pulled out of their houses and with cuffs and SWAT teams and and at the points of guns and you know that we're just everything that's going on you can't watch the news for half an hour without going is this still america you know for all of my life and i'm just about to turn 60 um for all of my life i've seen i've seen our country say hey you know what we need to look at every man as a man and uh and every woman as a woman um but i'm not getting off on the gender thing um but every man no matter what color, no matter what color their hair is, what color their skin is, no matter uh, they're you know they're they're your equal, and you treat them as your equal until until they give you a reason to not think of them as your your equal. That there's no difference between me and the next guy because our skin color is different. Now, sixty years later, we're turning all that around. We're turning all that around, and you know I saw I saw somebody being interviewed, a college kid on. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was George Washington University or Georgetown University. It was one of the Washington D.C. She's dressed in nice clothes. She's dressed in nice clothes, and she's on campus, so she's not uh, doing an online thing. And they're interviewing her about being proud of her country, and she goes, "Well, I used to be proud, of, proud, proud of my country. I used to be proud to be an American, but you know, I'm a black person, and uh, you know, there's there's just been so so much oppression, and uh, oppression. I'm going, wait." You're uh, 19 or 20. Uh, you look to be fully clothed and and well fed, and you're on a college campus. How are you being oppressed? What is, what is it they're teaching people in college? What that to to convince people that that are proud to be Americans? And you know, to me, if my kids were at college age right now, there's no way I'd send them to college. And you know what? Uh, and I and I think about a scene from. Uh, from the movie Goodwill Hunting that I didn't have clipped ready to play at this because I'm I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now. Um, where uh, where Will Hunting uh, Matt Damon tells the guy, say, "Hey, you spent a quarter of a million dollars on education. You could have got for free with a library card, and uh, you know, just go to the public library and all that same information's there for you. you don't have to pay for it." And uh, and I've got and I've got some people in my office that are. Uh, that are uh, just out of college and go and say, Hey, you know, is there, is there any part of socialism that you think is good? No. You know, and the, and these kids, these kids get out of college and they're just, they're, they're clueless. They're clueless. What, you know, what are they teaching people in, in college today? It's, and no wonder that people can't understand what they see on TV and what they and you know they can't they can't sort it out the difference between what they see on TV, what they see on the internet, what they hear on the radio and what they see with their own eyes. They can't, you know, hey, I hear this on this channel, I hear this on this channel. There's a little contradiction there. Then I see this post on Facebook and I see these things on uh, online uh, news news things that keep popping up. And then I go to school or I go to the, the mall or I go somewhere and I see this happening and then I know what's happening in my own life and they can't take all that all that all that information and go what logically seems to be going on here they don't have any they don't have any ability to to think like that and of course i'm not just uh i'm not just 
aiming this at, at young people because there's a lot of old people that do that and everywhere in between that they just don't have that ability to think. And I think about, well, I've been doing the main event for, for almost 14 years. Why is it that I get, that I get so much, uh, uh, positive, positive feedback from you guys? It's because there's just not that many people that are, that are trying to make anything make sense. Open your eyes. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, but just not, there's, there's so many other people trying to steer you the other way. <clears throat> it's scary. It's really scary. I'm going to talk about that. The song I open up with is, uh, too much time on my hands from sticks. Some of you guys see me on Facebook. I posted, uh, you know, uh, I've got dozens of friends and the fun never ends as that's, that is as long as I'm buying. And I said, Hey, Tommy Shaw was, was absolutely right. <clears throat> and I wasn't, and I wasn't referring to somebody owes me money and they, ne- and they never want to, that, that they never want to return the favors. You know, and I have my book, I have my book coming out and, uh, in September it's called experience matters. And, uh, uh, asking people to review it. You'd think I was asking them for a loan. It's just amazing. And I, and I know nobody had, nobody has time. And I told Brooke, my production assistant, um, I told her, you know, are these people really going to take the time to, to read this? Well, we only sent them, sent them like one chapter. You know, it's, it's just, it's amazing. Hey, you know, when you need a favor, call Ed. When Ed needs a favor, you're too busy. So anyway, I know it's not, I know it's not unique to me. If I'm experiencing it, you're experiencing it. So that's why I share that's why I share that. So anyway, but we're going to talk about all the stuff that's going on this week that relates to all this stuff and doesn't quite relate to it, but is very interesting and you want to hear about. Um, but first, let me introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are opportunities out there because of all the good rates, and there's opportunities out there in buying things. This is a really a seller's market right now. The, the prices are going up like crazy. But if you're looking for them, there are, are still opportunities out there. You just have to know where to look. And if, uh, and if you need financing to get involved in any of those opportunities, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone, Cause you don't want to talk about personal stuff at work or uh, it's just so personal. You don't want to, you want to do it the 2021 way. Go to edhoffman.net, click on the summit funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from me or one of my talented teammates and we will help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. If you want, if you want to hear any part of this show repeated or you missed something or you missed part of it, or you want to share something, uh, edhoffman.net go to the podcast page you can hear this show as well as several past shows you can also get the podcast on soundcloud or itunes apple Podcasts, where you can uh where you can subscribe for free and have it automatically download to your uh, whatever device you listen to uh, podcasts on uh every week and listen to it on demand um social media follow me on twitter i'm at ed hoffman all the other ones i'm at big ed hoffman the facebook page for the show is uh, facebook.com slash the main event ed hoffman if you have comments on the show, email me, ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, stay tuned for my book coming out in September, Experience Matters. Here's mine. So uh, that'll be coming out. Um, let me see what else I need to talk about. Nothing. Let's talk about Let's talk about what's happening this week. So forget the crisis at our border. That only matters if Donald Trump is president. After telling the president, after telling the press, he didn't want to answer any negative questions or uh, any negative, any of your negative questions, uh, pertinent questions. 
uh, before the 4th of July because he's going to, you know, it's holiday weekend. He doesn't want to miss out on the holiday weekend. Biden spent the rest of the weekend in blissful denial. So uh, from the this is uh, from the Washington Post says, President Biden sampled cherries at Michigan Orchard, then went for a pie and ice cream. He went to church, spent an afternoon golfing, and hosted a massive cookout on the South Lawn of the White House. Then, in a Sunday evening speech, he declared the country's near independence from COVID-19. This year, the 4th of July is a day of special celebration, for we are emerging from the darkness of years, a year of pandemic and isolation, a year of pain, fear, and heartbreaking loss. Just think back to where this nation was a year ago. Think back to where you were a year ago. And think about how far we've come from silent streets, from silent streets to crowded parade routes lined with people waving American flags, from empty stadiums and arenas to fans back in their seats cheering together again, from families pressing hands against a window to grandparents hugging their grandchildren once again. Businesses are opening and hiring again. We're seeing record job creation and record economic growth. The best in four decades, and I might add, the best in the world. Today, all across this nation, we can say with confidence, America is coming back together. You know, I'm so, I'm going to apologize to having this, to play such a long clip of such nauseating crock of crap as that. Um, you know, number one, Biden Biden's a, Biden is just such an incompetent. Uh, we are merging from year merging. He didn't say yeah. Didn't say emerging. Said merging. Uh, from years, from years of, uh, oh wait, I mean a year, uh, you know, from heartbreaking loss, not heartbreaking loss, it's heartbreaking loss. You know, if you if you listen to it again, you're going to go, man, he, this guy's just reading, he doesn't even know what he's saying. Um, and you know, when he's talking about, hey, we're, our, our, our country, our economy is growing and people are hiring. Well, you can't hire because people aren't taking jobs because they're getting paid to stay at home. And, uh, hey, the best in 40 years. You didn't do squat to do anything in 40 years. You know, it's like, hey, hey, uh, think about where you were, were last year. Last year I was, uh, I was in your house stealing, uh, stealing your stuff while you, were, uh, while you were away. And today I'm in the White House, so uh, nobody's stealing your stuff. You know, it's, think about last year. Last year we were creating a, 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 a pandemic over, over the flu. We didn't need to shut the economy down, and we just destroyed the whole economy. We destroyed all of your lives when we should have just said, "Hey, if you're older, if you're if you're over if you're overweight, if you're if you're uh, have uh, immunodeficiencies, you should be conscious. There's a there's a bug. Hey, you know we got vaccines and now everything's all good. I think everything's all good, not because of the vaccines, because people that got the vaccines are still catching it. Maybe it's just because we all went all we went back to work and it was called herd immunity." Cause that's what viruses do. It's ridiculous. I can't. I can't even. I know I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna take some crap from my wife when she listens to this. Says, "Why'd you play so much Joe Biden on there?" 
<clears throat> I don't know. Uh, but let's back up to the early, to earlier in the day in Michigan. During Biden's stop to a small general store in Traverse City, a reporter asked him whether Russia was behind the, the recent ransomware attack on Miami-based IT software company Kaseya. In order to answer the question, Biden had to take a note card out of his pocket and put on his glasses. Here's and if you and if you watched it, talk about talk about awkward. Uh, here's part one of the answer. He seems confused by the question and fumbles for the note card. Uh, with the most recent hack by the Russians, would you say that this this means We're that? I'm not sure it's the Russians. I got a brief and uh, uh, I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. Yeah, if you've seen the video, he pulls one card out of one pocket and then he looks for the other card in the pocket. And I'm and and then here's then here's when the with the glasses on his face and note card in hand, President of the United States was finally able to give his answer. I'll tell you what they sent me. The idea, first of all, we're not sure who it is for certain. Number one. And what I did, I directed the full resources of the, of the government to assist in a response. He needed he needed note cards for that. Well, first of all, we don't know if it was Russia that hacked hacked them, and uh, and I've directed the full resource to the federal government. Isn't that just the canned, the canned uh, response that you give for any kind of emergency? Hey, we've directed the full response to the federal government to take care of that uh, hurricane down in Florida. Hey, we've uh, directed the full resources of the federal government to help uh, dig through that. Uh, that uh, condo uh, complex that fell down. Hey, we directed the full resources of the federal government to uh, uh, figure out uh, whether uh, we stole the election or not. Uh, kind of, we're kind of worth directing some of the resources, but we sure want to say it anyway. And he needed a notepad for that. This is the guy that we put in the White House to be the president of the United States. I hope my sister. I hope my sister in Pennsylvania listens to this. I'm sure she doesn't. But those are the kind of questions I ask her when I talk to her. So uh, Joe Biden had announced, and we talked about this last week, he announced our withdrawal from America's longest war would happen July 4th through September 11th. So two symbolic dates, and he let everybody in the whole world know. Troops began pulling out of Afghanistan last week, but Biden was unwilling to discuss it. So uh, how's it going so far? Not so good. As, uh, as with everything Joe Biden has done, there are major unintended consequences to his symbolic actions. Consequence number one, now that the U.S. Is no longer has the use of Bagram Air Base. Wasn't Bagram where they took off from uh, Afghanistan, uh, Zero Dark Thirty movie to go kill Osama bin Laden? I think it was. I could be wrong. So, uh, so now that we don't have the use of it, the Pentagon has to negotiate with nearby Uzbekistan. I think that's where uh, I think that's where uh, Borat came from, Uzbekistan. Eh, maybe that was Kazakhstan. So we have to negotiate with them to serve as a, as a drone base in the region, so we can uh, you know keep an eye on what things are going on. Here's Republican Congressman Michael McCall of Texas. We just handed uh, Bagram uh, Air Base over to the Afghans, uh, which is a strategic asset in the region uh, to protect us from uh, terrorists. It counters Russia, China, and Iran in the region we're going dark in afghanistan and there are going to be consequences long term to this you know what i think i think about this and i think hey why are we still in in afghanistan is it is it to uh that we want to rebuild afghanistan i don't know that's i don't i don't know that was ever the case but we know that bad things happen over there so by keeping a presence we keep bad things from happening 
Um, so the Taliban, the consequence number two, the Taliban now now controls more territory, wasting the millions of dollars we spent to help Afghans on top of the people that have died and the people that have lost limbs and come home with uh, all kinds of injuries. Here's a report from Jennifer Griffin and comments from General Michael Miller, the top U.S. general in Afghanistan. The top U.S. general in Afghanistan who left the country Friday described in an exit interview what he observed as U.S. and NATO forces withdrew. If you look at the security situation, it's not good. The Taliban now control the northern passage and border crossing to Tajikistan, where the U.S. just spent $40 million to create a customs crossing point for the Afghan government. Now the Taliban have a source of revenue to fuel their insurgency. The loss of terrain and the, and the rapidity of that loss of terrain has, has to be concerning. One, because hope actually matters and morale actually matters. And so as you watch the uh, Taliban moving across the country, uh, what you don't want to have happen is that the people lose hope. Now they're, now they're talking about Tajikistan. I think that's where Borat, Borat came from. Was it Tajikistan or was it Uzbekistan? Eh, I think it was Kazakhstan, where all the, uh, where all the potassium comes from. So... So here's, here's how I understand all that stuff. So we spent $40 million to create a customs checkpoint from Tajikistan into Afghanistan. So, you know, I, I, I'll go off the, off the rails here a little bit. The guys, a couple of guys that used to be at the radio station used to say, Hey, you should run for uh, mayor of Marino Valley and change the name to Hoffmanistan. All right. I digress. So, uh, so we create this $40 million uh, checkpoint, customs checkpoint into Afghanistan. And now the Taliban just took control of it because we just left it. Hey, see ya. We're done. So we just left it there. So now they have a, now they have a steady stream of income so they can keep paying for, uh, to train terrorists by Thursday, six days after Biden told reporters, he wanted to talk about happy things instead of Afghanistan. The president was finally ready to address the concerns surrounding our withdrawal. He announced this change of plans rather than concluding on September 11th. The withdrawal will now be complete by August 31st. Why? Did somebody finally tell Joe Biden that finishing on 9-11 looked like a cheap marketing ploy? Or did they Or did they say, hey, you know what? The Muslim terrorists really, really like September 11th. So if, if you guys made a symbolic thing out of pulling out on September 11th, that would be a great opportunity for them to, you know, hit us again. You know, like they did in 2001 at the World Trade Center in the Pentagon, like they did in 2012 in uh, in Benghazi, Libya. Um, talked about that last week. Uh, I don't know. Joe Biden just doesn't seem to be conscious of anything. So, uh, hey, maybe someone in his staff listened to my show last week and said, hey, you know what? Uh, the only the only important date worse than July the 4th is September the 11th. Maybe we better change things up a little bit in our plans. So uh, here's more of his announcement and an important question from the press uh, that you'll notice really didn't get an answer. The United States did what we went to do in Afghanistan to get the terrorists to attack us on 9-11 and deliver justice to Osama bin Laden and to degrade the terrorist threat to keep Afghanistan from becoming a base from which attacks could be continued against the United States. We achieved those objectives. That's why we went. After 20 years, a trillion dollars spent training and equipping hundreds of thousands of Afghan national security and defense forces. 2,448 Americans killed, 20,722 more wounded, 
and untold thousands coming home with unseen trauma to their mental health. I will not send another generation of Americans to war in Afghanistan with no reasonable expectation of achieving a different outcome. Thank you, Mr. President. Given the amount of money that has been spent and the number of lives that have been lost, in your view, with making this decision, were the last 20 years worth it? We went for two reasons. One, to bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell, as I said at the time. The second reason was to eliminate al-Qaeda's capacity to deal with more attacks in the United States from that territory. We accomplished both of those objectives, period. Yeah, right. Remember who's saying this? Remember what he said to, what uh, Joe Biden said to Obama about uh, going in to get uh, bin Laden uh, way, way back then? Got to me and said, Joe, what do you think? And I said, we owe the man a direct answer. Mr. President, my suggestion is don't go. Yeah, that's the that's the brave the brave soul that we have sitting in the Oval Office. Hey, I'm all out of time for uh, part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, commercials, and sports, and I'll be back with lots lots more of uh, this uh, this craziness that's going on in this country. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, other than saying I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance. But if you uh, if you need to do some uh, some financing of real estate, whether uh, refinancing a piece of property you own or financing a piece of property you want to own, whether that be in California, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Texas. Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio. I think that's 15. Um, oh, I forgot Utah. And Utah, if you need a, to buy a place to get out of California uh, from or uh, you need to refinance something or if you want to check out that that reverse mortgage thing everybody's talking about, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, someone who's got a logically thinking brain and will make decisions based on what's best for you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020. Somebody said I talk, say it too fast. And they had to play it back two or three times to figure out what I was saying. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and do the cyber thing. So uh, before I went to break, before I went to break, um, we were talking about uh, basically Biden's Biden's uh, press conference, talking about uh, you know Afghanistan, his, his uh, pathetic pull out of Afghanistan and his pathetic leadership of our country um he you know he he reinforced to to one of the uh reporters that you know we we're, we're pulling out because 20 years doing the same thing we've done for 20 years is not going to produce any different result and then when the reporter asked hey was the last 20 years a waste no we had two objectives and that was to uh uh send osama bin laden to the gates of hell and uh let's see what was the other thing on my notes oh yeah uh take take away the the space where uh, they create terrorists, and uh, of course we just gave it back to him. Remember when when we were in Iraq, and as soon as uh, Obama got elected, he pulled all our guys out of Iraq, and uh, in came ISIS, and then ISIS started terrorizing us. So uh, Trump came in and destroyed ISIS, 
and uh, got got everything under control again. And now Biden's in there, and he's pulls all our guys out of Afghanistan. So uh, stay tuned for uh, more of the same. Um, but Biden Biden can't figure it out, and of course. Uh, you know, Biden said, Hey, you know what, you know, we want, this is what I said. Uh, we need to send him to the gates. Hell, of course, when, uh, we had the opportunity and Obama asked, what do you think, Joe? Joe said, don't go. What a week suck. And uh, of course, no Biden press conference would be complete without at least one blow up at a reporter who's just trying to do their job. Do you trust the Taliban, Mr. President? Do you trust the Taliban, sir? You, is that a serious question? It's absolutely a serious question. You trust the Taliban? You no, I do not. The to the Taliban? No, I do not trust the, the, the Taliban. So why are you Mr. President, will you amplify that question, please? Will you amplify your answer, please, why you don't trust the Taliban? It's a silly question. Do I trust the Taliban? No. But I trust the capacity of the Afghan military, who is better trained, better equipped, and more more competent in terms of conducting war. Yeah, all uh, all evidence to the contrary that whether they can do that. And of course, of course, you remember why why they're asking, "Do you trust the Taliban?" Is because he's deciding to pull out, and he just said that we that we went over there to make sure that they didn't have a spa- uh, place to to uh, breed terrorists. And now we're pulling out of it. So they're asking, hey, do you trust the Taliban? No, no, no. But I trust the ability of the Afghan military. I don't think so. On America Reports with Sandra Smith, our friend Joey Jones, who you must might just hear from in my upcoming book, uh, Experience Matters, which will be available in September. You might just hear a little part from him. Um, provi- so Joey Jones provided some intelligent commentary before and after the announcement. So my real question isn't really a critique as much as what what will the Taliban do that will cause us to bring troops back and how are we ensuring that doesn't happen? I really don't mm-hmm. care if we have 2,500 or 25,000 troops there. I care what what is the threshold they'll have to meet and what's their ability to do it. Leverage is really not something we have right now. Uh, ultimately, we're giving most of our foes what they want to see, which is us to not be there. And when I say foes, I mean even countries like Pakistan, which has deep roots in Afghanistan. I mean, we really screwed up when we drew lines through a mountain chain and said these are two different countries, right? And I say we as in the world. Uh, th- there's the Pashtun culture that exists in mountains that, that transcend a country border. The idea of nationalism or, or even a national identity in Afghanistan really has not come to fruition. It's very tribal, very regional, and, and when they're left to their own devices, they operate with warlords. That's what they do. The original promise, when George Bush was standing on the rubble of the World Trade Center, it wasn't, we're going to go free Afghanistan and make it a, a democracy that everyone has rights. It's that we're going to find who did this and we're going to kill them. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what we've done. Now, there are probably some people in Guantanamo Bay and even prison in Afghanistan that I probably would have preferred died on the battlefield. We really didn't have a contingency plan on what to do if we captured them. Uh, But if that was the original promise, we haven't had a 9-11 since. We've killed a lot of them. Maybe that's as much as the American people wanted. Really, the calculation is, regardless of what happens in Afghanistan, is it time for us to pull out? And I would just really like for him to have answered that question more honestly. Well, he did take some questions, that's for sure. You notice what what I love about Joey is Joey has a logically thinking brain and he speaks from a from a point of knowledge because he was there. He was he was he was uh disarming disarming bombs over there and uh he left two of his legs over there. So I think he has the right the right to uh to give his opinion, but he speaks from 
I understand why I went. I understand why we made the con- the 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 sacrifices we made. I I want I know what the what the reason that I gave up my legs to advance advance our our best interest for our country. And I under and I understand that the guy who's pulling us out can't even answer the question: Is this the time to pull out? And again, he said before he said before, "Hey, I don't care if there's twenty five thousand or twenty five hundred. The fact is, is that we have a small presence over there, and even if it's rotating every few months, we have a small presence over there, and it keeps the Taliban from creating more terrorists. We just don't have anybody in the White House that has that kind of logically thinking brain. That is a problem." That is a problem. And when Joey says, hey, we're doing what all our foes want, it's not just militarily. You know, remember, Trump went over to Germany and said, wait, 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 wait. We're spending billions of dollars to protect you militarily from from Russia. But meanwhile, you're buying gas and oil from them. That doesn't work. So either we're going to stop protecting you militarily or you're going to start buying gas and oil from us. And the pipeline from Russia stopped and the pipeline in, in America started and we started being a net exporter of, of, uh, of gas and oil from our country. And we started making money on it and we start being energy independent. We're creating our own, own gas and oil. And, and what did, uh, that was bad for Russia and it was good for America. Now the president of the United States is being the president of Russia and the president of China and making sure that everything's everything good for them is happening and everything that's good for us is stopped. This is the logic of what I see. This is what I see happening. I just don't see I'll I'll give it I'll give it to uh I'll give it to the Biden administration. I won't just say Joe Biden because who knows really running things. I'll give it to them. They're consistent. They're consistently idiots. They, you know, there's there's no logic to anything they do, but they're consistently no logic. I'll give him that. So let's go on to uh, who should still be our president, President Trump. On Wednesday, he uh, announced that he uh, will lead a class action censorship lawsuit against Twitter, Facebook, and Google, the three tech companies that removed removed him from their platforms after January 6th Capitol riot. You know, the Capitol riot that uh, we're going to march down there patriotically and peacefully. Uh, to protest the one where none of the none of the Trump supporters were armed, the one where there was really n- that the Capitol Police just let people in, and the one where uh, you know Capitol Police uh, fired on an unarmed an unarmed uh, protester without a, a warning sign or anything killed her, and the one that uh, we don't even know what that Capitol Police policeman's name is, never got any identified, wasn't held, wasn't uh, no investigation done. Remember that one that they decided to impeach him from. But at that time, that's when Twitter, Facebook, and Google took President Trump off of their platforms. So from th- three separate complaints were filed in Miami federal court under Trump's uh, name Wednesday, one against each of the social media giants. Trump spoke about the legal action from his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. In conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter, as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, and Jack Dorsey. Three real nice guys. Our case will prove this censorship is unlawful, it's unconstitutional, and it's completely un-American. We're demanding an end to the shadow banning 
a stop to the silencing and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that you know so well. If they can do it to me, they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that is exactly what they're doing. They're taking people off who don't even realize they were taken off. They have no idea why they were taken off. Yeah, you know what? Uh, remember the greatness of this country is the we have a constitution, we have a Bill of Rights, a Declaration of Independence. We have all those great documents that set out rules for how our country is going to be run. And, and when there's inconsistencies in how we're enforcing that, we have the court system, and it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court is there to interpret the how the laws are, how the laws are being enforced. And so, hey, there's there's free speech. Hey, can you can we arrest a guy for for saying something we don't like? No, we have the, we have the uh, free speech. It's guaranteed in the fir- in the First Amendment. So, remember the reason that these companies. So there's here's where the inconsistency is here, where we stay consistent with the with the with the Constitution, but here's here's where the inconsistency is here with this whole thing with the social media. The reasons they strip Trump's accounts was his so-called incitement of violence. Meanwhile, international dictators like Ayatollah of Iran still permitted to have a Twitter account. So they're full-on terrorists. They have a Twitter account. But because of that peaceful and patriotic protest, um, unarmed, they took Trump off there. Furthermore, the tech companies are citing the First Amendment as being their basis for censorship. How does that work? Alan Dershowitz, who's argued enough First Amendment cases to be an expert on the on the subject, points out the irony of it. This is the most important First Amendment case of the 21st century, and it's important because it pits freedom of speech on the one hand against the First Amendment on the other hand. That may sound paradoxical, but remember, it's the high-tech giants that are banning freedom of speech. They are censoring but they're claiming the right to do so under the First Amendment. So they're using the First Amendment as a sword against freedom of speech. That's why I call this the new censorship. The old censorship was easy to fight. It was the government censoring. We had the First Amendment on our side. The First Amendment, which is designed to open the marketplace of ideas, is now being used as a sword to close the marketplace of ideas to anybody who disagrees with the giant tech people. Now, I do have a little conflict here in that Twitter and Google and Facebook are private companies, so they, I guess they can do what they want, but they're not being consistent in their rules, and they've basically taken over, taken over the communication of this country, and I hate to penalize people for, for being successful, but they've taken over the communications in this country to where if they operate on their, on their private private company rights they're influencing all the communication in this country so i'm really i'm you know i don't want to be the supreme court justice that has to make that decision because i see a couple different side, sides to it um but i agree with freedom of speech isn't freedom of censorship so i'm conflicted as well so you say hey did you think about this ed yeah i thought about all of that I thought about all that and and I see where this is a problem because look at what it's doing to our country. I see our country being gone in 20 years. I mean, I I don't know that I'll be here in 20 years, but I don't I I feel bad for my grandkids cuz I know they'll still be here. 
And I just, they're just not going to have the country that, you know, unless something dramatic happens in 2022 and 2024 and some, you know, something really huge, um, our country, our country is gone. And, and regardless of the conflict here, something has to be done. We have to, we just have to say, Hey, this isn't right. This isn't right. And I know there's a conflict of ideas there on private company, but they're not being consistent with, with what they say their rules are either. So I'm, uh, I, I just saw you guys are saying, Hey, did you think about this? You know, if you libertarians out there say, you know, uh, we should privatize everything and they can do whatever they want because they're private. Yeah, I've thought about that. I've thought about that, but I think for I think I think this lawsuit needs to happen because I think we've uh, allowed three companies to to take over the world, you know, and uh, with the help of the the Democrat Party and with the help of the rest of the mainstream media. So let's go on to uh, the next the next chapter in Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden to see how dirty our our president is. You know, they they stuck their they stuck their proctology scope uh, up Donald Trump to check every little every little avenue of every little thing he's ever done to try and uh, try and find a place find a place they could pin something on Trump. But when it comes to when it comes to a Democrat Joe Biden, we don't really care. We don't care how dirty he is, even if he admits it. You know, Bill Cosby. Hey, Bill Cosby admitted he drugged drugged all these women to have sex with him, but you know they let him out two years later of a three to ten year ten year uh, uh, jail sentence, and all of a sudden he's standing up for the wrongly imprisoned people. Wait a minute, you raped all these girls. There's fifty of them. Where's all the Me Too people standing up for for those girls? Now it's all about race. Hey, you know what? Wrongly imprisoned black people. And of course, Cosby said it was not just black people. It's all wrongly imprisoned any people. But we forget about why we put people in jail. Hey, this guy raped somebody. OJ Simpson, I don't care how fast he can run and how many touchdowns he can score. He cut his wife's head off. His ex-wife, I'm sorry. So let's talk about the Hunter Biden uh, uh, piece here. So remember the first time big tech messed with Trump Trump social media accounts it had nothing to do with January 6th. It was actually much earlier. It was October of 2020, a few weeks before the election. And what what was the incitement of violence that time? There wasn't one. It was the fact that Trump was sharing the New York Post breaking Hunter Hunter Biden laptop story. Twitter blocked users from tweeting links to the story. A Twitter spokesman said this was because the article broke their hacked materials policy. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey later admitted this move was not great and that blocking users from sharing the article without any contacts was unacceptable. Facebook spokesman, on the other hand, said the platform was reducing its distribution of the story to give its third-party fact-checkers time to look it over. As we all know now, Hunter Laptop's story was 100% factual, and nine months later, it's still providing evidence of the Biden family corruption. Last week, we heard about more of Hunter Biden's sex with Russian prostitutes, with evidence that his uh, vice president father paid for some of it, uh, more of Hunter's sad crack addiction with secret service agents uh, that we pay f- to attempting to intervene to get him out of trouble, and most importantly, more of Hunter selling foreign billionaires access to his dad. It isn't over. This week, Miranda Devine reported that Hunter, who once texted his own daughter, "Unlike Pop, I won't make you give give me fifty percent of your salary." 
did indeed pay, pay many of his father's household expenses, even in the early days of his vice presidency. She talked about it Wednesday on Hannity. We found uh, emails and documents on the laptop that show that Hunter Biden was giving money or paying bills to his father, for his father, for uh, his AT&T nice? bills, about $180 a month, but also, you know, maintenance and, uh, and upkeep on his very lavish home that he has in Wilmington in Delaware. Yeah, so uh, Hunter's, uh, Hunter's collecting this money. Remember, Joe Biden took our tax money, handed it over to Ukraine, uh, or we or got us to support Ukraine. Then he then he went on to uh, uh, tell the Ukrainian president, "Hey, we're not giving you the money unless you fire this uh, prosecutor who's going after uh, um, the company that hired Hunter Biden for a million dollars a year to be on their board of directors, which means he goes to a meeting, goes to a meeting, or sits in on a meeting he knows nothing about four times a year." for a million dollars a year salary and then Hunter gives it half back gives half of it to his dad. So well we may not want to have quite a real obvious trail so we're just going to have Hunter pay uh, dad's bills in lieu of actually giving him cash or at least that's part of it. So here's the laptop evidence uh, most of it from June 5th 2010 email thread titled JRB Bills. Remember JRB is Joseph R. Biden. The email is between Hunter and Eric Schwerin, Hunter's partner at Rosemont Seneca. It was it said Hunter was expected to pay bills from Wilmington contractors for maintenance on his father's lakefront property. $2600 to a contractor Earl Downing for a stone retaining wall, 1475 to painter Ronald Peacock to paint the back wall and columns of the house. $1,239 to builder Mike Christopher for repairs to the air conditioning at the cottage of Joe's late mother, Jean Mom, Mom, Mom Biden, uh, which was on his property. So he has a little mother-in-law, his mother quarters out there. Uh, and uh, it would later, he later, later rent that college to the Secret Service after his mom passed away. Um, and then there's $475 for shutters was, uh, was owed to RBI Construction of Delaware. And there's also mention of Hunter paying Joe's $180 a month AT&T bill, which we just heard heard them talk about on uh, on Hannity. So uh, first of all, let me just say, stuff in Delaware must be cheap. Oh wait, this was 2010. And for some of these, $2,600 for a stone retaining wall. Oh, that was in 2010. Any of you guys that do work on your house know these are cheap cheap bills. Maybe you already paid the other ones. These are the the final bills. Schwerin's email to Hunter begins. F what then listen to this because there's some some uh, peculiar stuff here. Sharon's email to Hunter begins FYI, there are a few outstanding bills that need to be paid. I'm not sure which ones are priority and which ones should get paid out of hash uh, quotation my account and which should be put on hold or paid out of the out of the quotation marks Wilmington Trust Social Security check account. Uh, what's the Wilmington Trust Social Security check account? And why is Hunter's partner putting quotation marks around it? Uh, is that indicating that uh, it's something that isn't real? Is that is that how you put a little wink into a uh, email? Schwerin also wrote, there's about 2,000 extra in, in quotation marks my account beyond uh, what is used for monthly expenses. It's also unknown why Schwerin used quotation marks around my, but it appears that the account was be being used to pay expenses for Joe. So if we use our brains... We can logically deduce that the account for 
was in Eric's name only. In It was Eric's in name only. So it wasn't really Eric's name. It just put it in Eric's name. One month later, July 6th, Schwerin sends another email to Hunter titled JRB Future Memo. It appears to be about a plan apparently devised for Joe's future wealth management. Because uh, he's the he's the vice president, we should uh, be planning on what he's gonna, how he's gonna turn that into a gazillion dollars. Schwerin writes, "Does it make sense to see if your dad has some time in the next couple weeks while you're in D.C. to talk about it? Your dad just called me about his mortgage, so it dawned on me to dawned on me that it might be good a good time for some positive news about his future earnings potential. Why do people spend so much money to get get jobs that don't pay very much? This is why." At this point, Joe had been vice president for barely 18 months of his first term. In another email eight years later, 2018, Hunter once again brings up the matter of paying his dad's bills. This is only three years ago. Hunter emailed his assistant, Katie Dodge, to complain that he'd been shut out of one of his Wells Fargo bank accounts. Quotes, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many profile changes and such. Happened 10 days ago, too. My dad has been using most of the lines on this account, which I've, through the gracious offerings of Eric, have paid for the past 11 years. Eric, presumably Eric Schwerin. So uh, this, is, this is what Hunter Hunter's meant by giving Pop half his salary. And now, after you put all these, and, you know, they're going to say, oh, you didn't mean that, you didn't mean that. This is, this, you're, you're taking this out of context. B.S., we're not taken out of context. We're using our logically thinking brains to hear what people said before, what people are saying now, what Tony Bobolinsky said, and what Eric Schwerin is saying, and what all these emails say. And you can only come up with one conclusion. Biden's dirty, and we have him in control of our country. And then before I end this show, let me just let me just point out, in the last couple of days, now finally we're starting to hear some hear some news out in the in the news about what I brought up two weeks ago about these five hundred thousand dollar paintings that uh, that our newly uh, trained artist Hunter Biden is selling for five hundred thousand dollars and how that may be inappropriate and a conflict of interest. Will anything come of it? Don't hold your breath. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 31998, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.